This morning, rather than taking five minutes and, and greeting one another, which we normally do, I'd like to just get right into the Word because I believe that at the end of the message this morning, we may need some time just to be in the presence of the Lord. I believe that there is a response that comes to us uh, that is asked of us from His Word and that as a result of that, He can do a work within us. Last week, I started a new series that I told you was called Storm Stories, and Last week we talked about why do storms strike our life. And if you were not here for that or if you missed it, you can go to our church website and click on the media icon and we have all of the messages that are preached on a Sunday morning that are there for you so that you can kind of catch up with what's going on. Today I want to talk to you about staying steady in the storm. Last week I told you that if you have friends, family members, or you yourself are in the middle of a very difficult time in life that I wanted you to bring them today because God's Word addresses some things that He desires to do within us. And one day, Jesus was walking along and He was talking to His disciples and He said, Shh, can you hear it? Do you sense it? Because it's coming. It might be somewhere out of there in the distance, but it's very close. But I want you to know that it's coming. And in our lives, sometimes it takes the form of a phone call in the middle of the night that suddenly changes everything. Sometimes you go to work and you are asked by your supervisor to join them in their office and there you realize that for whatever reason you are out. And it was completely unexpected. Maybe you get a call from the school. And as you go into the school, the counselor is sitting there with the file of your 15-year-old on their desk. And they're just tapping their fingers on the file. And you know that the conversation that is coming is going to be unpleasant. Maybe you come home. And as you come home, your spouse looks at you and says, I need you to sit down. Because I have something to tell you that's going to shock you. I don't know what form it takes within your life, but Jesus said it is coming. You can count on it. Storm clouds are coming. And to some of us, a lot of storms seem to come our way. There are people that you and I know that it seems as if their life goes from storm to storm to storm to storm. There are others that you look at their life and it seems as if for the most part that they have the opportunity to sail in calm waters most of the time. And why that happens in people's lives is a mystery to me. But here are Jesus' words to us and if you have your Bible you can turn to John 16, 33. I'm going to be reading out of the Amplified Version because I like the way that it takes the original Greek words and gives us all the possible meanings because I believe that as we do that you'll begin to recognize that some of those meanings hit a little more close to home in our lives than others. And it says this, Jesus speaking, I have told you these things so that in me you may have perfect peace. In the world... You will have tribulation and distress and frustration and suffering. Some of you are going, great, just what I needed from the word of the Lord today. 
I came hoping for encouragement, and you are about to rain on my life. I want you to know something. It's going to rain on your life regardless of what I preach today. You see, the storms of life are the great equalizer of the human race. They are not a respecter of age or of race or of network or of gender. And Jesus tells us very clearly that in this life, we will have trouble. We will have hardship. We will have loss. We will have pressure. We will have tragedy. We will have heartbreak. We will have betrayal. And Jesus tells his disciples, shh, can you sense it? Can you hear it? Can you feel it because it's coming? Troubles are coming. And when storms strike our life, when we are faced with difficult circumstances, there is normally a predictable way that we begin to react. And it usually begins with shock. I can't believe this is happening to me. Have any of you ever said those words? After you go through shock and you can't believe what is going on, then you begin to work your way to blame. It's generally followed up with words like, this isn't fair. This is not fair and I can't believe it. Why me? Why my family? Why my spouse? Why my job? Why my company? This can't be my fault. And as we begin to go looking for targets, we often go through things like, it's my boss's fault. It's my spouse's fault. It's my children's fault. It's my parents' fault. It's the church's fault. And ultimately, when you can't find any human to blame, you generally get around to targeting God. This is God's fault. And after the shock and the blame, then comes those moments where you feel as if you want to withdraw. You want to go and you settle into a dark place where nobody can see you and nobody can reach you and you don't think you can be touched by feelings any longer. And then after withdrawal, you get to self-pity where you just feel sorry for yourself. And it's in that place of self-pity that the enemy does a great work to develop self-pity into anger at everybody. And anger begins to take hold and you begin to think, somebody needs to pay for what is happening to me. And from there you get to the point where if you were a believer and you're going through a storm and you've gotten to the place of anger, then you have friends that say, what is going on with you? You are not acting normal in all of this. And then suddenly we get to the place of shame. And we're going, what am I doing? Why am I hurting people with my words that I love? And why do I do what I do? And why am I pushing away people that care about me? And then we get to that place where that shame becomes toxic within us. And that leads us to a place of despair and to defeat. And when you get to that place... When you get to that dark hole, what generally takes place in your mind is thoughts about how can I possibly go on? Or why should I even go on? And that begins to lead to the more dangerous thoughts of maybe I shouldn't even be here. Maybe I should just go away and everybody would be better off if I weren't here. 
I want you to understand that depression is running so rampant today that the single most prescribed drug in America is an antidepressant drug. We live in a society where people have gone through these steps from facing the storms of their life to wallowing in despair and defeat and depression and discouragement. And we who are in the church are not immune from that. We face the same thing. And some of you are staring at me with that blank, cold, statistical classroom stare like, oh, this is going to be fun this morning, I can tell. But there's others of you that this morning, this is very personal. This is touching you where life is at for you right now. You found yourself living in a spirit of defeat and despair, and some of you for a long time now. And you know that's happening because when you get up on a Sunday morning, the enemy begins to whisper in your ear, just stay home, just stay in bed, don't go to that church, don't go. everybody is happy there except you, you're just going to bring everybody down. And he begins to whisper to you to pull you down into an isolated pit. Because he recognizes that when you step into the presence of the Lord, suddenly there's a word of hope and encouragement that begins to give you a light in a dark place. Some of you are barely living above the line of despair. And you are hurting this morning. And the good times in the Lord seem as if they are a distant memory and they are hard to recall. And if you are like me, and you have found yourself surrounded by the dark clouds of storms that rolled in unexpectedly, I say sometimes things like, I can't believe this is my life. I can't believe that this is my reality right now. I never dreamed that my life would turn out this way. And now I find myself on the brink of despair. And it's at this moment that we begin to weigh the options. And here's where people are today in our church and in our world we begin to think am i going to give in to the encroaching darkness am i going to free fall into the abyss of despair am i going to grit my teeth and trudge through this what will be like this what i consider the rest of my life or am i going to find ways to escape reality with just a few more pills just a few more drinks or am i going to throw myself into the frenzy of achievement Where I will try to make myself so important that there's no possible way that the enemy can reach me. Or so busy that the storm clouds can't reach me. Or am I going to begin to pursue pleasure in frenzy? Or relational frenzy? Or am I going to eat myself into oblivion? Or am I going to spend myself into financial ruin? Friends, this is the question. What do you do... When storms push you to the absolute brink of defeat and despair. Because Jesus says, in this world, you will have tribulation and distress and suffering. That's not the end of that verse, however. In other words, the Lord said, let me... Paint for you a picture of the reality of the world that you live in. And now let me paint for you a picture of the reality of me with you. And he says to us next, but be courageous. How many of you need a little courage this morning in your walk with the Lord? Hallelujah, you're in the right place today. But be courageous, be confident, be of good cheer, be undaunted, be filled with joy. 
I have overcome the world. My conquest is accomplished. My victory is abiding. Jesus is saying to you today that when the storm clouds come rolling in, whatever they may be, they don't have the last word. Jesus does. And I want you to know today, I want to share with you a truth this morning that will help you to stay steady in the storm. I want to share with you how to live your life, even in storms, with an overcoming spirit. You need to know right up front that this message is not about involving yourself in the blame game. It's not about living out the whole victimization game that our country that our country has risen to an art form. This is about coming to a place of I know who I am, I know where I am, and I know what the Lord needs me to do about it. And taking some responsibility to move forward. Because he told us storms would roll into our life. Some of you need to know today, no matter what happens, No matter how dark your world may seem, no matter how badly you may think you have been defeated, no matter how close to the edge of defeat and despair you are, there is power in the name of Jesus Christ. There's power in the abiding presence of the Holy Spirit. There's power to lift you from things that you cannot do yourself. There's power to cloak you and to cover you. You are not hopeless and you are not helpless. As I was preparing this message this morning, I, I was thinking about if I had taken time today, if we had an opportunity, what it would be like for me just to, to have everybody have an opportunity at the microphone. And just that we could for a moment put down the pretenses that we all have and that we could just give an honest explanation of where we are and of what is happening Because what would become abundantly clear very quickly is that we are not okay. We're all going through things. There are some areas of victories within our life and there are some areas of struggle. But there would be some of you that would say, I am having a hard time holding on to my faith in the middle of this battle and I need the Lord to encourage me today. There are others of you that you might find yourself today sailing on calm seas in the sunshine, but I want you to know something. The weather of your life will change. But we would come to a place where we would recognize none of us have it all together. We come in and we look good. I spent some time in front of the mirror this morning. By the way, my wife is visiting with our grandkids, so I picked my own outfit today. You know how rare that is for me. Does it match? If you would let her know that when she gets home, she will quit worrying about We spend time because we want to present ourselves in the best possible light in front of everybody we know because we want people to think we've got it all together. The scripture tells us we don't have it all together. In fact, I believe that the church is the one place in society where it's okay to be here and not be okay. Because it's in this place that the Lord begins to do a work within us that begins to bring us to a healing. This is a healing center. This is a helping center. This is a I don't have it all together center. And here God does his work. So the question today is not, 
if storms come your way, but how does a nearly defeated person take courage, resist defeat, and walk in the direction of becoming an overcomer? I have two things that I want to share with you today as main points. If you have a bulletin, you'll see the outline there, and you may want to grab that so that you can jot down some notes under those, because under the first point, there's some sub-points. The points are this. What do you believe about storms, and who do you lean on during storms? If you want to stay steady in the storm, when the storm comes, not if, but when it comes, Jesus said that then you would have to know something about storms. What do you believe about storms? I've discovered in my life that whenever I go through something unexpected, I tend to get to a place of spiritual vertigo. The whole world begins to spin. I get a little confused. I have a hard time thinking straight. My prayer is usually this, Lord, I feel like I am being swept down a stream, and I need you to bring me to some place that's shallow enough so that I can plant my foot on the bottom and just stop for a minute so that I can get some perspective here because I feel like everything is rushing me downstream. Anybody else experience that? There's just a confusion that begins to take place, a fuzziness that goes through our mind because that's the nature of a storm itself. And when our world is rocked by something unexpected, we have to fight tooth and nail and grip to everything we've got to hang on to the truth of God's word. It requires work on your part. But here's what you need to know. Even in the middle of terrible storms in life, God is never the author of evil. God is never the author of evil. God is an easy target in times like this, but Scripture makes it very clear who the author of evil is and who the author of life and grace is. Jesus says, let me make this abundantly clear, and he has us in the word turned to John 10.10, which says this. The thief comes only to steal and to kill and to destroy But I have come that you may have life and that you may have it to the full or that you may have it abundantly. There's only two categories here. One is the category of the evil one, the kingdom of the evil one, and the other is the category of the giver of life and abundant blessing. And so when I hear stories in our world today of terrorists who strap themselves with explosive and go into populated place and say that their God told them to kill people, I know they're listening to the wrong God. Because my God said, I am not the author of evil nor of death. I'm the author of life. On the other hand, when somebody comes to you and blesses your life with grace and when you don't deserve it or, or surprises you with a monetary gift or, or fills your life with words of affirmation, I know where that comes from. That comes from the author of life who desires to build us up and strengthen us. So be careful when storms come into your life that you do not blame them on God because God is not the author of evil. The second truth that I fight to hold on to in the middle of a storm is that God limits the severity of the storm so that in his strength I can overcome. God limits the severity. Let me tell you something. When we think we have it really, really hard, 
I want you to put a picture in your mind of a wind blowing and having the Lord God through his Holy Spirit put his hand in front of you that gives you a place to run behind so that you can stand in the protection of his presence. There is a ministry of the Holy Spirit to the child of God that limits the effect that the enemy can have when he's blowing storms into your life. One of the greatest things that we have about knowing God is knowing that all of his word is true. And so when he tells us that we can run to the refuge, that we can run to the sheltered places, we know that that is the key word for the code of I am blocking the severity of the storm in your life so that you will survive. I have known people who have told me as I've spoke to them about Christ that they said, you know what, Pastor, I've read Revelation and I'm going to live the way I want in this life and then when the tribulation comes, I'm going to stand up and I'm going to let them cut my head off and I'll be a tribulation saint. I'll make it to heaven. I'll get all the best of this world and still, and I, I, I look at them and I go, are you out of your mind? Do you not understand the power and the value of the hands of the Holy Spirit that limits the severity of storms that we go through in life? If you can't live for the Lord when the Holy Spirit is alive and well and moving within us, how do you think you're going to overcome when the Spirit's hand is removed and nothing stops the severity of evil from flowing through the land? When we begin to understand storms, we must do so with the idea that God is limiting the severity of the storm so that in His strength you can overcome. 1 John 4, 4 says, You, dear children, are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. There is the abiding, indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit that lives within those of us who have surrendered our life to God and as a result of that, He holds back the severity of the storms that you're going through. Isaiah 43, 2. It was my text last week and I never even got to it. So let me read it to you today. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze, for I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. Now, there's both discouragement and encouragement in this verse. The discouragement is it didn't say if you pass, but when. Did you notice that? So when Jesus told his disciples storms are coming, what he's telling them is, listen, you are going to face difficult times in life, but let me tell you the other side of that. When they're coming, I am with you, and I will halt the severity of the storm because I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. This verse guarantees that there's going to be storms, but more so guarantees victory. Victory, victory over the adversary in the middle of the storm. This is hugely important. Because we must fight like crazy. Let me tell you something. We are in spiritual warfare here. We have to fight and contend for our faith. We have to hold on and dig our nails deep into the truth of the word because this is not going to be easy. 
There's a tenacity that is required of us that says, I will not let go of what I know to be true, even though I don't feel it right now. Because when things get difficult, you've got to know that what you're hanging on to is strong enough to hold you in the middle of the storm. And I'm thankful for a God that limits the severity. Thirdly, God makes himself completely available to me in the middle of the storm. If you're anything like me, when the storms strike my life, my first response is normally, God, where are you? God, where are you? God, I don't feel you right now. I'm I'm not feeling your power. I'm not feeling your strength. I'm not feeling your nearness. Where are you? Because when we're in the middle of storms, they attack our feelings first. They attack the ability of the child of God to feel the closeness and to feel the nearness of the Holy Spirit. That's why I said you have to dig your nails into the Word and know that the promises of God are true regardless of what you feel because your feelings will lead you to defeat, but the Word will lead you to victory. And we have to hang on tightly when we feel as if God is not there. Psalm chapter 34 verse 8 says this, The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in their spirit. Now, I want you to picture this image. Because there is within this the idea that there are going to be things in our life that crush our spirit. How many of you experienced that in your life to this point? Most of you. But here's what the word tells us. It's in the crushing of our spirit that not only is the Lord close to us, but it also in that crushing releases what is on the inside of us to be observed by those on the outside. It's easy for us to proclaim that we are victorious in God when nothing's going wrong. It's easy to sing and worship and praise when everything is great. But we win more people to Christ and we elevate him before others when we're going through a crushing. And that the fragrance of what comes from us is uniquely the fragrance of God's presence. That when your spirit is crushed, the fragrance that comes from the crushing leads others to look at you and say, what is your, how are you doing this? How are you getting through this? Because the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and he saves those who are crushed in spirit. I believe that he is closer to us whether we feel it or not in the difficult times than perhaps when we feel it in the good times. It takes a lot of mental discipline, spiritual tenacity to hang on to the kind of faith and the promises when you feel like you're being swept swept away and you don't feel the presence of the Lord. Fourthly, God is totally committed to forming something good from the hardships and the heartbreaks of your life. I'm going to share with you a scripture that I wish was not in the Bible. Some of you have felt the same way as well. This is hard to wrap our mind of faith around, but it's nonetheless absolutely true. There's a passage in Romans chapter 8, verse 28. And I hate to quote it, but I'm going to because it's in there. And we know that all things 
and God work together for good to those who love him and are called according to his purposes. Wow. Because encapsulated in that word, and we know, comes a knowledge because we're in relationship. And God is saying, listen, I'm in relationship with you. I know you. Your name is imprinted upon my hand. It's not something I can erase. It's there. I know you. I know what's going on in your life. I know what's happening. And I want you to know that everything that you think that the storm is going to destroy will not because at the end of it there will come a time when perspective will look back and give you the opportunity to see there's nothing that I can't make look good. But if you're in the middle of the storm, and if you're in the middle of grief, and if you're in the middle of hardship, you don't have that perspective yet. And I've been in storms in my life where I said, Lord, I know what that verse says, but this is not good. This is, this is really ugly, and this really hurts, and it really stinks, and how could anything good possibly come from this? I just don't see it. I don't have a way that my mind can even go to where I see something good can come from this. But you live with the Lord long enough that you can get through some of those storms and look back, suddenly you will see things in the past that you didn't see in the middle. There's an African-American pastor by the name of John Perkins who tells the story of his life and some experiences that happened to him that helped this come alive to him. He was a brand new Christian in his teenage years and when God came into his life he was so full of love and faith and the joy and loved humanity that he wanted to make his mark for God and it was at a time when he was so fired up that living in Mississippi he had heard that Martin Luther King was coming and going to have a talk and there was going to be a march and so he was with them that day and he was so on fire for God that he was marching along in the joy of the Lord and out of the whole crowd the police grabbed him and pulled him out. He says, one day I'm walking along and I'm marching and I'm singing praise to God and then the next moment I'm yanked out and I am imprisoned. And he said, that night I am alone in my cell. And the white guards took turns coming into my cell that night and just beating me up, kicking me and punching me and they beat me mercilessly. And he said, the only crime was the pigmentation of my skin. And Pastor Perkins went on, he said, I went from being a fired up young Christian to a disillusioned, suffering, bitter man. And he said, I didn't think anything positive could ever come out of this situation. He says, as I went through it and got past it, I was able to gain a little perspective. And ultimately, there was a lot of good that came out of that experience, but I couldn't see it when I was going through it. He said, here's some of the good things that came out. Before my beating, I thought that I appreciated the suffering of Christ. After my beating, I saw the suffering of Christ in a whole new light. Because Jesus was falsely arrested. And he was beaten. But the difference was that Jesus did it voluntarily for me. He signed up for his beating. He signed up for his crucifixion. And he did it to pay for the sins of other people. He said, I wouldn't have volunteered for a beating like that for anybody. But I now see Christ and his love in a far more clear perspective than I ever did before. Second thing he learned out of that, he says, after my beating, I saw my own sinfulness in new clarity. When I was a new Christian, I thought I was a pretty good guy, almost sinless on certain days. 
He said, but I recognized within just a few minutes of the beating that started to take place how quickly my heart could be infected with hate. How quickly revenge began to run into my mind and bitterness and racism. He says, after that beating, I wanted to hang on to all of the emotion that I felt and the hatred that I had toward a whole race of people. He said, but I saw my sin for what it really was and later I repented and was truly saved and truly transformed and changed. And he said, and the last good thing that came from my beating is that God showed me my purpose and my calling in life. And that is to proclaim Jesus Christ and to bring people of all races together under the banner of God's love and reconciliation. He said, looking back, the single most important event in my whole life was a beating that I did not understand at the time. Because truly, God works all things together for his good. Now, I want you to know that that beating was not a good thing. It was an evil thing. But God took an evil event and he used it to transform a man's life who's now reached hundreds of thousands with the gospel. And some of you today, you're sitting here and you are in the middle of a beating. Some of you are in a financial beating. Some of you are taking a spiritual beating. Some of you are in a relational beating or an emotional beating. And some of you here today have experienced and may even today be experiencing physical beatings within your own life. Some of you have led very hard lives and others of you have been going through some very stormy seasons. But you have a choice to make today. You can let the the beating scar you and turn you into a negative, bitter person. Or you can choose to believe today that I am going to dig my fingernails into the truth of the word of God. And I'm not letting go because this is the truth that will get me through to the end. And I will believe that God has something better for me. So what do you believe deep down in your heart about the storms of life? Are you a bit fuzzy about the truth of storms? A bit fuzzy about who the author of evil is? If you're going to live your life with an overcomer's attitude, the first thing you need to do is be rock solid in your heart about what you believe. And you have to know God's word and you have to grip it with everything you've got. And not let go. Also important to know, and secondly, is this. Who are you leaning on in the storms? We have a banner that hangs on the back of our sanctuary that says, Our Mission. And it says, We exist to partner with the Holy Spirit in engaging every person to commit to Jesus Christ. And then there's this line. And connect with each other for spiritual growth. I often talk about the value of being in the family of God. And we need one another. We've got people that are going through some really, really heavy storms. And I want you to know that leaning on other people is a biblical thing. In fact, Jesus even talked about it. You don't have to turn there, but in Matthew chapter 26, verses 37 and 38, in the most difficult night of Jesus' life, right before he was to be arrested, beaten, and crucified, this is what he said to Peter, James, and John. He said, be with me. Please don't leave me alone. I'm going to the garden and I need you just to watch over me. Now, folks, if Jesus living his physical life on earth came to a point where he needed his closest friends to be near him in a very dark night, who in the world do we think we are that we can get by without anybody? Who do we think we are that I've got it together and I don't need anybody? And as you're 
plummeting down a pathway that leads you to discouragement. You ignore the fact that the body of Christ is to be lived corporately and that we need the embrace of people. We need to know the feeling of having somebody come up and put a hand on our shoulder and pray with us and pray through with us when things are difficult. Because if Jesus needed it, I need it and you need it. There's something precious about the family of God, precious about belonging to a church body when you know that there are people here that are not going to judge you and not going to determine how they feel about you, about the storms in your life, but will love you unconditionally, put their arms around you and sustain you and support you when you've got nothing left except the fingernails that you're hanging on to. We connect with one another. We need one another. This is what God is building in the last days when he said, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. You know why? Because he knows we're going to need to be spirit-filled people to be able to sustain the storms that are coming and support each other when times get tough. When things get difficult. What happens is we let pride get in the way. There are times when I will not tell you what I'm going through because I'm your pastor. And I get to thinking, I don't want everybody to know that I have storms too because I'm afraid you won't think of me the same way. That's pride and that's a lie. There are times when we think, oh God, I don't want anybody to know this. Because if they do, they're going to think, oh my goodness, they're not what I thought at all. If you think that, put that thought under the blood. Because we're not okay. None of us have it all together. You read through the book of Acts and you discover that the early church, they were together all the time. Why? Because they knew that the community supported one another. And that there was strength in that. There's moments when I'm down that a word from you or a letter or a call lifts my spirit. There are moments when you're down and the Lord will plant you on my heart and I'll just send a text or a call. And I've numbers of times people said, How? It, it came at just the right moment. Why? Because God has built us to interconnect with one another through his Holy Spirit. We are family together. And sometimes, some of you have discovered this, the family of God is closer to you than your own earthly family. They have discernment as to what's going on in your life that others may not even know. And so when the enemy begins to whisper to you about trying to carry your burden by yourself and he tries to make you feel insecure about opening up your heart because he knows that if you do, there's healing that comes from those around you as they speak into your life and they pray into your life. He knows he's in deep trouble when the body starts working together. So when he tells you to carry it alone, it's time to tell him, jump off, bud. I'm hanging on to the word of God. Because at the intersection of your pain and deep relationships, God does his healing work at that intersection. I'm going to ask the worship team to come. There's a song that many of you know. You've heard it on the radio. I am not alone. I am not alone. That needs to be not only a song that we sing this morning, but it needs to be a theme song of Grace Assembly and to the body of believers that God is gathering here. We need each other. And I'm going to ask that you would stand with me, and we're going to sing this song, and then at the end of that, I'm going to ask our deacons and their 
spouses to come forward and we're going to have a time to pray for each other because we're going through storms and we need each other.